Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you initiated pursuit. And it's not something that we do on our own, but you have initiated the pursuit to love us and to care for us. And all we have to do is receive it. God, I pray that everyone who has checked into worship today, God, that we would end this time of worship by saying, your goodness is overwhelming, and I accept it, and I believe it, and I'm going to live in it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Thanks for being here. You may be seated. And while you're at it, if you'll find your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians. For any of you who uh, have ever traveled with me, you know it is normal that there are numerous U-turns involved when I am driving. I can find myself lost in so many easy, for somebody else, easy situations but I can just find myself lost and needing direction. So uh, Google Maps has become my friend. And lately, uh, Waze, W-A-Z-E. I'm not being paid by them at this point uh, to tell you about it, but they take people like me and they make things really easy. And the beauty about Waze is it's real time. And so if there is construction going on or a road is blocked or for whatever reason it knows it for some reason big brother understands and and it says don't go this way and so when i'm trying to get from point a to point b when there is something that's in the way it alerts me to that uh it even lets you know if there's a policeman not that we would need to know that uh but for karen that's helpful uh <laughs> I may need a place to eat lunch today. Um, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be absolutely incredible if God had a Waze app for us? That as we're trying to get from point A to point B, and when things, in, we encounter difficulty, that there would be an app that we could just apply, and God would say, uh, hang a right, hang a left, or stay straight, endure this, you're going to be fine and we would apply to that. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, we already have it. And in the book of Ephesians, it is a ways app because Paul is addressing some people who are in this pre-Christian environment. The culture is going nuts around them. Uh, the, just the worship of Diana was really weird. Uh, and all the different gods that they had and this was a pre-Christian era, much like we might find ourselves now in this post-Christian era. And Paul, in the book of Ephesians, and that's why we're taking time to go through it, Paul gives this Waze app. In fact, he says there's two things that result in a third. Two things. Know God's Word, live by faith, and impact where you are. Know God's Word, live by faith, and influence or add eternal value to the people where God has placed you. That is all the way through Ephesians. He comes back to know God's word, live by faith. And that's why, if you're kind of already way ahead of me, that's why every time we get together at New Cub, we talk about what is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? What's God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Because we're saying know God's word and live by faith. And when God tells us to do something, it requires faith. It means we're stepping in directions that may not make a lot of sense in some cases. It may mean that you're thinking, I've never been this way before. But God is the ultimate ways app that says, 
listen to me, just understand what I'm saying, know God's word, and live by faith. And I, I, I know I, probably to the point of, of driving you crazy, but I want to repeat a, a statement that's been made numerous times that I've made that I found is that God never reveals a passage to me that I've never read. And so it's important that we immerse ourselves in God's Word so that when we encounter various trials or issues or circumstances, that God's Word comes back to us, that we know God's Word, that we live by faith, so that we can impact or have eternal value on the people around us. The phrase, that, uh, the statement that we've made is this biblical truth must always be the overwhelming voice. It's not the only voice. We have we're going to talk about being in community. We have voices of other people speaking into our lives. It's a good thing. We keep ourselves aware of what's going on. But the biblical truth must always be the overwhelming voice in our lives. We need God's truth to echo so loudly in our lives that it drowns out the sound of any other voice that could distract us or deter us from knowing God's word and doing what it says. So, let me lay this one other statement out and then we'll jump into Ephesians 2. Here's what you can always find from us, not just in the book of Ephesians, but you can always find it, but we're making sure that we're applying it this way in the book of Ephesians with hopes that we will all embrace this from here on out. But I want to challenge you to take this particular mindset as we process the book of Ephesians. Here it is. Rather than approaching Scripture through the lens of the ever-changing culture, we want to approach culture through the lens of God's timeless truth. Huge difference. It's calling God's Word to be in the driver's seat, not current culture and what current culture says is right and is now the right thing to do or whatever because it's always changing. I mean, just look over the last 50 years, look over the last six months, whatever. Culture swifts so dramatically. We need to, to know God's Word so we can live by faith and impact where God has us to add eternal value to the lives of people around us. We must know God's Word. And so one view that followers of Christ, and I want to, I want to challenge and warn all of us who are followers of Christ, is to make sure that God's Word is in the driver's seat and that culture is coming alongside, not the other way around. Because there'll be times we take a stand and say, this is what God's Word says, therefore I need to live in this way versus the other way around. So chapter 1, we talked about the possessions. And, this is, and Brent and I talked uh, through chapter 1, you'll have time to read it, uh, maybe this afternoon or this week. But it talked about all the things that you have in Christ. The very moment that you invite Jesus Christ to be the leader of your life, there are numerous things that we already possess. And this ought to encourage you, and let me just remind you of it. You are loved. You are chosen. You are his idea. Be overwhelmed with this. It is not something you have to pursue. It was handed to you when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. He offers this to everyone who becomes the follower of Christ. You are loved. You are chosen. You're forgiven. He forgave you 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is claim the forgiveness. You've been adopted. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. 
You have a hope. You have an inheritance that's coming your way. There's this incomparable great power that God offers you. And so the book of Ephesians talks about the possessions that you have in Christ. Now chapter 2, which we're looking at part of it today and the next, next week, what we want to look at is the, uh, not the possessions that you have, but your position in Christ. So let's look at that. And Paul does an interesting thing. He does a before and after. Uh, Karen and I, uh, when we watch TV, typically it ends up on Love It or List It. And, or, or the Property Brothers. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing because you think, oh my word, I didn't realize how bad that house looked. And then you look at the before and then you look at the after and it's amazing. Paul does this in chapter 2. And verses 1 through 10, again, is just one long run-on sentence. And he gives us this, this idea of what our position is in Christ. He compares and contrasts. Tony Evans calls it the great coroner's report. Verse 1, look at it. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Wow. He's giving this report, the condition, the spiritual condition. And he uses two words, trespasses or transgressions, depending on what your uh, translation might say. But he says, you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. It's not two different uh, ideas at all. Those are synonyms. And the word trespass is the Greek term means to fall to one side. And sins means missing the mark. And so he says, as for you, you were dead in your sins. How do you know that? Because you fall to one side or the other. You miss the mark of what God has for you. It is this, this estranged condition. We are dead. However, he goes on and talks about three influences that keep us in the grave, that keep us dead. Look at verses 2 and 3. In which you once walked, and it's in the present tense, meaning uh, it looks past tense, but has past tense with ongoing results. It's a lifestyle. So this was the lifestyle that you were consistently missing the mark on what God had for you. You were constantly falling to one side or the other, allowing culture to dictate how you live. You cannot trust the culture because it's, not, it's based typically on what's best for me or best for you, and you make your decisions according to what's best for you. And that's why Paul says, no, 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 no. Know God's word, live by faith. Know God's word, live by faith. And when you live by faith, it's going to impact, and you're going to add eternal value to those around you. We'll see this in just a moment. Okay, so back to the three things that keep us in the grave. You're following the course of this world. In other words, it's just the ways of this world. That you're saying, what's current culture say? So I'll align myself to what current culture says. It's just the ways of the world apart from God. The second, he talks about the prince of the power of the air. He simply is talking about the evil influences that are around us. When we get to Ephesians 6, he'll, um, he'll elucidate on, on that. But it talks about that our, our, our fight really is not against one another. It's against the princes of powers of the earth. It's the demons that come out wanting us to take shortcuts. And so he's saying this is what the ways of the world, 
uh, being under the influence of the evil one. And then this last one, it, it's almost repulsive. And you, everyone in this room and online will be saying, that's not me, that's not me. It says the passions of the flesh. That sounds incredibly harsh. Let me give you just a current definition of the passions of this or of the flesh. The desire for self-rule. Now, that hits home. Because again, the temptation for us at any point is to say, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, however much I want. I will do what is best for me. I'll make all decisions based on what, how I am affected by this. Being under the influence of self-rule. Dr. Tripp puts it this way. One of the dark delusions of sin is that it causes us at points to buy into the insane thought that we might be smarter than God. So, know God's word because we trust that God's word is inerrant and can be counted upon. It is without error. Know God's word and align ourselves to it or live by faith, knowing that we will impact where God has us, that we add eternal value to the people around us. Look at verse 3, kind of just kind of lands the plane on this describing the condition, the, the horrible condition. And you were by nature children of wrath. In other words, we have mobility, but we have no life. Back when I was in high school, I watched Night of the Living Dead. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying those who are laughing know what I'm talking about. It, these walking dead people, and they are, have mobility, but there's no life in them. And this is what Paul talks about, is that you have this, this, you look alive, but there is no life within you. And now comes the two most incredible words that we will find today, for sure, but throughout Scripture. And this actually, verse 4, is going to be what is our driving prayer concern for everyone who puts in a prayer, a prayer request this week. Uh, at the end of the message, I want to drive you to our website because I want you to put in a prayer request because the next two words are game changers. Look at verse 4, but God. Brett kind of hinted at it in the, in the Scripture reading when he used the word, however, but. It says, so here we are, we're in this horrible we're this horrible situation. We're dead. We're estranged from God because of our, our self-rule. And it says, but God. This is an amazing word. And notice, notice this. But God means God initiates. It's not something we initiate. God initiates. We're in this terrible mess of self-rule. And, and God says, I love you so much. In fact, look at verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, not... He's so extravagant. He's so lavish. He's not withholding. He's not just giving up very little bit. But he's so rich in mercy, that which we don't deserve. He says, I want to give you what you don't deserve. And even though you deserve this, I'm not going to cause that to happen. I am rich. I am abundant. I lavish you in mercy. And I love you so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, again, looking at the ways of this world, the influences of the evil one, the desire for self-rule, even though those things were holding on to us. Notice this, 
He gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. This is incredible. The focus, notice here, when you look at this, you think the focus might be on me, but no, the focus is on God. It's our condition. He talks about our condition, but there's something that totally overwhelms our condition, and it's but God. And this, I've I've been kind of a a bit giddy over the last week and a half because I just couldn't wait to get to this part of, of the message. Here it is. When you're dead, only a resurrection can help you. We don't need a resuscitation. We're not looking for a new and improved situation. We're looking for a total resurrection where you give your life to Jesus Christ and no longer it's self-rule, but it's saying, I want Christ to rule. Know God's word, live by faith. And the beauty is when we know God's word and live by faith, do what it says, then we impact where we are. We add eternal value. It just happens naturally. You don't have to try to do it. If you just simply know God's word and live by faith, God takes care of the rest. And we'll see this uh, lived out and explained uh, in the book of Ephesians. So here's what I want you to do. If, if this is all that you, all you get at this point, the phrase, but God, here's what I want you to think about. When your current situation seems dead, you need a but God experience. When your marriage seems dead, when your health seems dead, when your job seems dead, when your hope seems seems dead, only a resurrection can help. And as you put in your prayer requests this week, that will be our driving prayer for all of you is that God would meet whatever need you put in, but that you would experience this amazing power, this but God moment where everything rises and falls on the power of God, the one who initiated relationship with you and me. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, certainly he can probably take care of the situation that I would put on my prayer request. That which is keeping me awake at night, if God can resurrect Jesus from the dead, and as we will see, the power of Jesus comes to live within us, we understand that we have a power that's available to us. Notice verse 6. Not only do we have this but God moment, but he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him. In other words, he relocated us we're already relocated. And this is where, and, uh, and, uh, and if it seems a bit confusing at this point, or you would like for there to be more explanation, there will be all through the book of Ephesians talking about our position in Christ, how we are relocated. But what it's talking about is that we live life from a heavenly standpoint. And so that's why it's important that we know God's word and live by faith because as we encounter all kinds of trials and issues, as we encounter situations in our life, we say, what does God's word say? What does a heavenly response, what what does he want, and how can I align my life to it? Because I'm already living somewhat in the heavenly places. In fact, it says we're seated with him, meaning it's been handled, it's been taken care of, Now we just need to apply what we know, and the the rest of Ephesians talks about that. Our 
our phrase, but God, I want you to quickly look at verse 7. Notice there's two new words that go very closely with the but God. But God, verse 7, so that. He has raised us up. He has given us new life so that, here it is, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When you see the word so that, it means for the intention of, for the purpose of, for the intent. So he raises us up. He comes to live within us. He, he, he brings new life within us so that, for the purpose of, for the intent of, that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Know God's word, live by faith, so that those around us experience eternity because they're being around us, that they are exposed to Jesus Christ and they're given an opportunity to know Christ. In other words, our conversion is not the end, it's the beginning. That's what Dr. Wearsby says. Our conversion is not the end, it's not the end, it's just the beginning so that we can have eternal impact, eternal value on the lives around us. Here's another way to put it. The world needs what God has deposited in you. So we don't run away. We just know God's word, live by faith, and we know that the world needs what's been deposited in us. And so it's important that we know God's word and do what it says. It's grace this, this, it says that we may show the immeasurable riches of his grace. All other world religions talk about what we must do to get to God, what we must do to get to God. Grace is about God getting to us. Wow. That's, it's just in, in, incredible that we're not having to earn. Remember, our possessions in Christ, we're already forgiven, we're accepted, we're adopted, we're loved, we're chosen. Because he came after us. Look at verses 8 and 9. He just kind of nails it then. It's for by grace that you've been saved through faith that you do something with what it says. You're not just a hearer of God's word, but you do what it says. And it's certainly not of your own doing. So no one can, can boast. I love what Tony Evans said. He said, if grace is what God deposited for you, faith is the way you make a withdrawal. Know God's word, live by faith. That the God's word is the driver. That we say, what does God's word say? It's what's been deposited in us, and then we apply it, we live it out, and the natural occurrence is that people around us see this immeasurably abundant amount of grace that God is pursuing us as God is pursuing them. Let me close with this, Ephesians 2.10, for we, for we are his workmanship. I know I've shared this before, but I love this, that word workmanship. Uh, the word we get in the Greek is word poem that you are God's poem. You're not just a mess up by any stretch. You are a poem that 
where, where when we, we, in a minute you're going to hear a song called, uh, all, all Your Works Are Good. All Your Works Are Good. And speaking of God, that He has created us, we are His workmanship. We are His poem. We are His gift to the world. So it says, we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. I heard it put this way. A good work is a divinely prescribed action that benefits others in such a way that God is glorified. That we live our lives in such a way and the way we conduct ourselves that when people see us, they recognize and see God in us. They, they see God's immeasurable grace. But God, so that. And my prayer is that you and I would align ourselves and say, what does God's word say? How may I live by faith? So that the world can see that there's a hope for them because the world is dead without Christ. And we have the privilege of being alive and not just alive for our own benefit, but alive to impact the world around us. I would like for all of you to take your phone out. And uh, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Uh, you can uh, tap in 402-260-2400. Who wouldn't want about 50 or 55 people praying but God over you? I'm, I'm one of those, and I, it would be a privilege for us to be able to pray that whatever situation you're in, that you would experience a but God moment, that the self-rule would leave and the God rule would come in. And so you can type in uh, respond, and it'll take you to a site, and there are places for you to respond, prayer requests. There's places for you to say how you want to be connected at New Cove. Uh, or if the, you want to get together and talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's a privilege for us to be to gather together, and it's a privilege for us to be able to have God's Word in front of us. May we know God's Word and do what it says. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you pursued us, that you initiated, and all your works are good. Thank you that what you did on the cross was wanting to bring life to us and through the resurrection, we now are brought to life and you have made us a poem, not only to, to, to bless those around us, but to point, point to you. Father, may we not live under self-rule, but may we live under your rule and your leadership. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.